0: You are listening to Kanecast, a podcast that provides commentary on the economy and financial markets by the Kane Anderson Rudnick Investment Management Team.
1: Hello, this is Jordan Greenhouse, Managing Director with Kane Anderson Rudnick. And with me today, I have Doug Foreman, Chief Investment Officer with Kane Anderson. Doug, first and foremost, thank you for taking the time to speak with our listeners today. Doug, we are now three quarters through 2021, and the strength of U.S. equities to begin the year led by low-quality stocks, driven by news of the vaccine news and the reopening of the economy, really drove a low-quality trend. We began to see a greater focus on fundamentals moving into the late second and third quarter, and we're hoping to provide our listeners with perspectives of the year in review.
2: Well, over the last year, we saw a massive rotation into deep-value stocks, uh, which started with the vaccine results were were announced in early November last year. This led to a significant low quality rally that lasted in the fourth quarter of 2020 and the first quarter of 2021. Quality was clearly lagging badly and faced severe headwinds during that time period. This wasn't unusual. uh, Typically, when you come off the bottom of a recession, which the vaccine announcements clearly marked, quality tends to lag as investors flock to stocks that have been beaten up in the recession, that are down a lot and have high operating leverage and high levels of debt when they start to get some confidence that the economic recovery has started. And this clearly happened. But really since um, March, uh, May, June timeframe, what we've seen is that quality's been doing materially better and that the headwinds that we faced uh, in the fourth quarter of last year and the first quarter of this year are largely behind us. We think that if what you saw in the second quarter of 2021, the, GDP, the rapid period of GDP acceleration is now behind us. So the, the second derivative growth, if you will, really peaked in the second quarter. And that fits pretty nicely with quality starting to outperform, which is what you would expect. So, you know, when when GDP is rapidly accelerating, as I said before, off the bottom of the of a recession, that's typically when quality stocks are going to appear less interesting to investors, and they'll chase the low quality. But it only lasts typically six to twelve months, and in this case, it really lasted about six, seven, eight months uh, in terms of style headwinds. So we think we're sort of mid cycle now, uh, not not in a period of rapid acceleration anymore. Uh, That doesn't mean that the market or the economy is going to fall apart, but it means that the growth rates in GDP will be more normal going forward, more normalized. And in that kind of environment, selectivity will start to become important again. When you're in a period of rapid acceleration with low quality working, you really don't need to be very selective. You just need to be in the market. Returns are usually good. And some of the beaten up stocks, as I mentioned earlier, really start to do well as they did. But that period is largely behind us, and what we're seeing now is that you need to be more selective. You're uh, shifting into a more normal environment, even though there's still lots of issues in terms of uh, you know, economic disruptions and COVID uh, hangovers, if you will, uh, in the economy overall.
1: Doug, as we moved into the end of the third quarter, we began to see the 10-year yield increase, leading to continued concerns around potential for inflationary pressures. The Fed continues to discuss the possibility of tapering their bond purchases, in addition to the possibility of increasing rates as we move into 2022. What are your views on the current and near-term inflationary environment?
2: Well, certainly current inflation has proven to be higher than, in, than we would have anticipated six to nine months ago, uh, and the Fed as well. And it's really been driven by mainly supply chain disruptions. So what we've seen is, you know, COVID-19 has continued to flare up occasionally in China and Vietnam and other parts of Asia, where we're heavily dependent upon uh, imports and supply chains uh, being intact. So many of those plants have had to shut down for health reasons. And then on top of that, you know, we've had all kinds of transportation issues and port congestion issues. So many of these ports, like Long Beach, have been operating at low levels of capacity, and this is at a time when consumer demand has really kicked into gear um, as the economy has continued to recover from the the COVID-19 crisis that we all experienced. You've seen container costs go up like tenfold, and all this has really, I think, caused the Fed to consider tapering sooner than they otherwise would have liked and expected and maybe... Moved up the time frame in which they're going to have to raise short-term interest rates from you know two thousand twenty three twenty four to maybe two thousand twenty two late to uh, to early two thousand twenty three. Tapering is uh, scheduled to start next month. I think the Fed will probably follow through with that. So, but what we don't believe is that anything structural really is happening here long term. Clearly, there's a lot of short-term disruption, and that you know the market believes that's going to continue for at least the next twelve months. I say that because many of the investor buy side surveys indicate that most investors expect the supply chain disruptions to persist for at least the next year. So uh, even if it does, it won't be a complete surprise to investors as we move into 2022. Most important and the most interesting thing to me is that despite the fact that we've had all kinds of supply disruptions and input costs have soared you know whether it was lumber or resin or lots of other products that uh you know have have had to raise prices because of the inability to get goods the companies themselves in many many industries are still experiencing great profitability and and every sector of the S&P 500 is now at or near all-time operating margins and this is despite elevated input costs and really significant transportation costs that they're all incurring So despite the uh, inflationary environment that we're seeing, corporate profitability is really hanging in there exceptionally well. And I think that really bodes well for the future as these supply chain disruptions get worked out. I don't think it's structural in nature long term. Uh, and I say that because it you know it doesn't feel like the 70s again when we had a global food crisis in 1973 and then we had OPEC control the price of oil in a virtual monopoly for a decade long of uh, increased dramatically increased uh, energy prices. And then the other thing is that's a lot different than the 70s. the last time we had a real bout of long- term structural inflation is that companies themselves today, are much more efficiently run and and the global economy is much more competitive than it was back in the 1970s. Corporate America, I don't want to say was fat, dumb and happy back in the 1970s, but it was nowhere near the level of competition that we're seeing uh, today. And global competition particularly really wasn't present like we're seeing today. Many American companies, even large ones, really didn't have a significant presence overseas. So there wasn't a lot of global competition going on in the world. Whereas today, there certainly is. And if you can't produce products and uh, business ideas that are faster, cheaper, and better than the status quo, you have little chance of being successful in, in today's world. That wasn't necessarily true back in the 70s. So that's a major reason I don't see things changing longer term. Uh, you know, we'll continue to monitor that. But that's, uh, that's our current thinking.
1: Doug, U.S. markets have been much stronger than international markets on a year-to-date basis. And recently, there have been some concerns revolving around the Evergrande, the commercial real estate business in China, and the potential for contagion. What are your thoughts related to this issue or general concerns around the slowdown in China?
2: In terms of China, there's clearly been a a lot of anxiety about China over the last three months. In particular, Evergrande, a big property developer, is obviously in trouble and is, you know, going to have to restructure their operations and figure out how to um, pay off some of their creditors, at least some portion of what they owe them. But we don't believe it's a Lehman moment. We don't believe it's going to be a systemic problem. I think China has enough capital and wherewithal to contain this. And it doesn't mean that certain creditors of the company won't be hurt. Uh, they probably will be. But I just don't believe it's going to spread and be broad based. However, probably even more important is the fact that the Chinese government and the Communist Party has really cracked down on many companies in terms of regulatory uh, actions that they've taken over the last three to six months. And it's really accelerated here recently in light of President Xi's common prosperity goals that he's set forth. And I do think China's gonna slow materially over the next 12 to 18 months as businesses step back and pause because you know businesses really thoroughly dislike operating in environments where the rules aren't clear or the rules are constantly changing in terms of what you can and can't do. And really in China, you know, uh, private enterprise uh, is just a subset of the Chinese government. So at the end of the day, they have to sort of accept whatever is handed down. So I do think you should expect some slowdown there. And this will have some impact on some American companies that obviously sell over there. Uh, But I don't think it'll be the end of the world. And it won't be uh, something that, um, you know, lasts forever. And hopefully we're at a point of maximum pain here.
1: Doug, last question. The government continues to work through the potential for an infrastructure bill as we await both sides coming to an agreement. What are your thoughts on this bill, and how do you expect the market to react to this potential agreement?
2: In terms of the infrastructure bill, it's obviously a hot political topic, and um, my best guess is the size of the bill is really not coming at three and a half trillion. It'll probably be more likely around the two trillion dollar level once it's actually finally approved by by uh, the legislators. And it really indicates that it'll be around $500 billion of new spending uh, on the margin. And about $100 billion of that apparently is going to go to roads, infrastructure, etc. So I do think it'll help areas and companies like uh, Deer Tractor and uh, Caterpillar Tractor and people that uh, obviously provide earth-moving equipment. I think they'll benefit. But I think it's important to understand that, you know, the infrastructure part of the U.S. economy is really a very small part of the S&P 500, which is, of course, where most people have their money these days. So I think it's going to have a very limited impact on the market overall. It'll benefit some companies at the expense of others that are going to have to pay for this to increase taxes. But uh, I think overall, the impact will be um, minor and really not something to keep yourself up at night worrying about. So I hope I answered some of your questions and I uh, wish you all the uh, success and happiness and prosperity and health in the future. Thank you.
0: Kane Cast is the official podcast series of Kane Anderson Rutnick Investment Management, CAR. This material is provided as a matter of general information and is not intended to be relied upon as a forecast or research. The opinions expressed herein are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the opinions of CAR or its affiliates, are current as of the date and time of the recording, and are subject to change at any time due to changes in the market or economic conditions. The information and opinions contained in this material are derived from proprietary and non-proprietary sources deemed by CAR to be reliable and are not necessarily all-inclusive. CAR does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of this information, This communication should not be construed as an offer or solicitation to purchase or sell any security. Individuals should consult with a qualified financial professional before making any investment decisions. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the listener. To the extent any performance is discussed, past performance is not indicative of future results.